This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our pets' heads are falling off. Everything is going terrible. The Chiefs are going to fold as a franchise. I'm Ryland Styles. With me, Grant Tuttle, and this is the Arrowhead Act Podcast. Grant, how are you doing today? I am perplexed. But we'll just say that. I'm perplexed. I don't think the sky is falling like you might, but I am perplexed, to say the least. Yeah, it's very, very confusing and... You hate to say this because people, you know, when they, when they listen to a podcast or anything, they want the analysis at the very least, if not insight. But we don't really know what's going to come of this. And obviously, if you're listening, you know, D Ford has been traded to the San Francisco San Francisco 49ers and the Chiefs get back only a 2020 second round pick. That's it. He was franchise tagged for fifteen point four million dollars. Now he gets traded to the 49ers and he signs a five-year, $87.5 million deal with 45 of that guaranteed. So this is the move we're talking about. Grant, you know, you've been banging the drum all offseason long. It's going to be either or D. Ford or Justin Houston. Yesterday, we talked about them cutting loose of Justin Houston and that being the answer to your either or question. Now it turns out it was both. So what... What kind of went through your mind whenever we saw that the trade talks picked up and then it happened? Uh, You know, I just, I really didn't see this coming. I didn't think that the Chiefs were going to blow it up uh, like a team that was rebuilding. Um, But it now appears as though they are going to just blow everything up and try to build from the absolute ground. Now, that being said, I don't think Chris Jones is going anywhere. He's going to get signed to an extension at some point. But what this means for a lot of different things is it's 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 confusing like i said there's a lot of things it could mean and we'll know soon enough what those things are but d ford had the most pressures in football last season uh and he's no longer on the chiefs team and justin houston and him combined for 22 sacks last season and neither one of them is on the team this year uh so now you have one pass rusher who's an interior defensive lineman in chris jones I have been saying all off season that if they're going to trade one, they're going to keep the other. They cut Justin Houston. We thought, oh, they're keeping D Ford. It's either that Steve Spagnuolo wanted that cap space to go sign some coverage guys or a different pass rusher, or he wanted some flexibility for the defense to add some bargain guys, or it's just that D. Ford really didn't fit the system, which I have a hard time believing in today's NFL where pass rushers can move all over the board and still have success. So that is that is my take on it at the moment. Um, we'll see what they do about it. I'm curious to hear what you think, though, Rylan. Yeah, first and foremost, talk about Chris Jones. This makes Chris Jones worse. This makes the entire defense worse, but especially Chris Jones, because a big component of the Chiefs front seven last year was the fact that you had to pay attention to Justin Houston, who could explode at any moment and get a huge pressure or sack. And especially D Ford, who you route off his stats, was incredible last year. And that uh, didn't allow you to double or even triple team, you know, a guy like Chris Jones and allowed his job to get even easier. Now that front seven is Chris Jones and and Breland Speaks. And Tanya Passanio, I mean, it's nothing as of right now. We'll see what moves that they make. I don't think that they're going to roll into this season with, you know, this exact roster they have on paper. But even if they go the draft route again, first of all, who's to say you hit on the rookie? Second of all, who's to say even if it is a hit in a few years, 
Is he going to explode off the scene in year one? I don't think so. Do you believe in Breland Speaks? Eh. Do you believe in Passanio? I don't whatsoever. I think that you're a little bit higher on him than I am. This makes the entire defense worse for no reason. Again, it was $15.4 million for this year. In a year when you're trying to win it all and you're right there, you're at the doorstep of the highest point in football. You were a coin flip away, which wasn't technically true, but just giving that that cliche, you were a coin flip away from going to the Super Bowl and playing the Rams who didn't show up in prime time, who didn't show up whatsoever. Who's to say they do that again against the Chiefs? But nonetheless, you have a very good shot at winning the Super Bowl last year with a with an atrocious defense. So now you get a better defensive coordinator, you get D4 back, and then you trade him away. This reminds me so much of last year whenever the Chiefs got Kendall Fuller and then everything seemed to be going well. You have Kendall Fuller, Eric Berry at the time, Marcus Peters, and then you trade Marcus Peters, and everyone's going, "Why? Why did you do that?" And you know, Marcus Peters regressed, and it looked a lot better after the year was over. But still, you you didn't you didn't quite realize what the move was for at the time. This could be another one of those instances, but. When you're trying to win a championship, you cannot cut corners like this. Whenever you, especially when you have a guy like Eric Berry uh, on the salary cap right now, and who knows if he'll be there whenever the year starts. But if you wanted to find a way to get money out there, you should have said, "Okay, we're going to cut Eric Berry post June 1st, and that's going to be our move." Because Patrick Mahomes is a few years away. It doesn't seem like that right now, but he's literally what two years away from cashing in. Kirk Cousins got yeah. got eighty four million dollars guaranteed to him. Literally, Kirk Cousins, who hasn't won a Monday Night Football game in his entire career, only has three primetime wins in his entire career. Patrick Mahomes has done more than Kirk Cousins had has already, and Kirk Cousins got eighty four million dollars fully guaranteed to him. Mahomes is going to get at least a hundred million guaranteed, at least. Uh, maybe not exactly guaranteed, but at least a hundred million, two hundred million. It's going to be crazy the amount of money they're going to give to Mahomes and have him eat up that entire salary cap. You have to win on his rookie deal, or it doesn't seem like you're going to ruin. It seems like you're going to be on that Aaron Rodgers trajectory. You have to win during these next few years, these next two years. Your window is shorter than people think. Mahomes is still going to be great. Aaron Rodgers is still great, but the Packers are struggling to find a way to make a complete team around him. And then, of course, he has his injuries, uh, his injury history. Uh, you know. You know, that's no uh, that you know that's nothing to scoff at that's that's a big part of why they haven't been good recently but in the grand scheme of things their team still isn't a complete team because they have to give him so much money look at what happened to the Seahawks when they had to pay Russell Wilson these windows aren't very big although it seems like it now while we're watching Mahomes light it up in the interim they're not very big at all so to make this kind of move just doesn't sit well whenever you're you know saying that you're going to push for a championship but there's another side to that, and I think you covered it well. It's not all doom and gloom, but the glass is you know, either half full or half empty, and we'll wait to see exactly you know, where that sits in a few weeks. Yeah, and I think a, a counterpoint to what you, just, what you just argued was it would be that they can't really get that much worse. They had the best pass rush in football. You're going to hear this on Twitter for the next three weeks, as long as they don't have an, an edge guy. They had the best pass rush in football last year and yet they still had one of the worst defenses. This team gave up more first downs than any team in the history of football last season, which is an astonishing number. Um, So I don't know if you can get much worse. It seems like losing talent on the defense is not the right way to go, but honestly, I can't imagine. I don't think that Brett Veach is dumb. I really don't. I don't think Brett Veach is an idiot. I don't think that I would make a better GM. I don't think, with all due respect, you would make a better GM. But he's got to have a plan. I feel, I maybe I'm being too optimistic, but he's got to have a plan for what he wants to do. Now, with those two second-round picks, maybe he wants to move up into the first and try to draft another pass rusher. Maybe they'll maybe they'll double dip in the in this deep pass rush market um, in the um, in the draft. I don't know. This it's a it's a deep class in that regard. So they they could possibly do that, but rookies don't generally produce as much pressure in their first year as they do later on after they develop in the NFL. So obviously I'm kind of shaking my head right now. I don't know what's going on, but like I said, it can't be much worse than last year. I I don't think it's achievable that they will give up more first downs next season than they did last season because they would break back to back years of record. And, uh, I, I think that D Ford's a great player. He's a, he showed that he really has a lot of stuff, but 
the the Chiefs were not going to keep him past this year. I really don't. Um, I think that probably he was going to walk next year, and that there's an argument to be made for that too. If they were going to keep him, they'd get a compensatory third round pick um, the year after. But to me, this almost signifi- this could signify that they want to um, win now, but win how they want to do it. Moving on from uh, moving on from D Ford gives them some flexibility. Maybe they want to bring in a guy like D Ford. Heck, I know that we're hearing a lot about Earl Thomas going to the Browns and how they're confident that he's going to go there. But you know, if that money's there, and if Eric Berry's not, don't do this to me. There's always that chance. There's always that chance. Brett Veach has shown that he he when he likes a player, he does not let go of them easy. Uh, we saw that again this year. He tried to sign. Honey Badger last year. Uh, Tyron Matthew is now a chief this year. So they tried to trade for Earl Thomas last year. Could he be here? Now, I don't I don't think the Chiefs are going to overspend for another safety, especially if they're going to let Eric Berry walk. I don't think they're just going to replace his salary with something just as expensive, if not more. But um, it's something to think about. I think the Chiefs have to have a plan here um, otherwise, I can't imagine them going into another season with a deficiency like they did last year with Marcus Peters. Now, Marcus Peters didn't work out uh, in in Los Angeles the same way he was working out in Kansas City. That being said, a pass rusher is a different game. You can rush the passer from any any formation. It's it all comes down to the individual how good you are at um, at individually pass rushing uh whereas corner can rely on scheme corner can rely on others more um while having another pass rusher helps a an edge rusher it is not the end-all be-all for a pass rusher Aaron Donald has been just fine with or without other pass rushers so that being said um yeah I just I I think that there has to be a plan in place we don't know what that plan is, but I can't imagine the Chiefs are done making moves after this one because why clear up that space? I'm guessing Tyreek Hill extension, cornerback, defensive lineman, who knows what's happening, but I guarantee you something is going to happen before the draft. Yeah, and to, to go back to your very first point, thank you for saying, with all due respect, whenever you said I, I couldn't be a better GM, I appreciate that, but I couldn't be a better GM, you're right. <laughs> but, but I mean, there's just a lot to unpack here. If you disperse this 14, uh, you know, this $15.4 million that he was going to be owed this year, if you disperse that into a few players, are you going to get the value of 13 sacks? Are you going to get the value of 50, 55 tackles? Are you going to get the value of 29 quarterback hits? Are you going to get the value, you know, of his 8 AV, which is the approximate value, uh, you know, for every player throughout the league, and they've been keeping that since 1960. He had he had an eight AV, which is kind of like uh, football's version of the WAR stat in baseball. You know, a little bit like that, uh, courtesy of ProFootballReference.com. Are you going to get that sort of impact with this 14 with 15.5 million dollars? You might, but the safer bet would have just been to let him play out this year and get that pick. Is that is that third round pick the following year going to be that much worse in value than? what you could have within this 20, uh, 2020 second round pick. Who knows what that 2020 second round pick is going to be? If it's a middle second round pick, is it going to be you know, worth it to have that rather than that third round pick? I don't know. There's just a lot to unpack with, with this decision for sure. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say there is. Like I said, I just expect there to be uh, corresponding moves. I don't think they clear this space for no reason. Obviously, it's, it would seem weird if they were to just cut D Ford and be like, oh, we're going to draft people now, and we're just done making moves, and we'll just hold on to that extra cap space. Uh, I don't know what's down the pipe, uh, but there are some reports now, although there's been reports the other way, that Eric Berry uh, could be finding a new home soon uh, because Kansas City might be moving on from him. Uh, there, Peter King reported that he was staying uh, there are some reports now that he may be on the chopping block. I don't know. Uh, but I guarantee you they're going to make some kind of move. Now, if it's going to be a big-scale move, I don't know. If it's going to be something that can replace D. Ford, 
I kind of doubt they can get that same production because he had so much pass rushing ability, pass rushing ability uh, last season. But who am I to judge? I mean, Brett Veach gets paid a lot more to do this than I do to get to, to do this podcast, <laughs> uh, which is free. I do it for free. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, that's all I really have to say about D Ford's uh, trade because it, to, while it doesn't make sense to me or you right now, it uh, it could end up being for the better, potentially, because they can't get that much worse. Um, so there's got to be something coming down the pipe. So we're going to have to keep it keep it locked here. Um, they'll We'll hear something soon, I'm sure. Yeah, and even if they spend the first-round pick this year on a – you know, rusher. You know, whether it be an edge rusher or you know someone on the on the, along the line. Uh, you know, in D Ford's rookie year, he played in all sixteen games. He didn't make a start, but he played in all sixteen games, and he had one point five sacks and seven tackles. That's pretty much what you can expect from a rookie who's trying to learn his way around the NFL and also a new system without having a guy, especially who can teach you this system because again everyone on the Chiefs defense is going to be learning a brand new scheme a brand new system it's not going to be the same thing where you could even have coaches on the field you know like you could in in previous regimes it's going to be tough for any rookie to break in and be a great pass rusher especially whenever he's trying to learn just just you know a new scheme and a new coach and a new environment. But like you said, if you get a guy like Joey Bosa, which is unlikely, you can pretty well have him rest the pasture in any scheme and any place and he'll be effective. Uh, but we'll see, you know, we'll see how yeah, it all pans and I, out. And I, th- and I think another thing to take away from this is Steve Spagnolo runs the defense that Steve Spagnolo wants to run. If he doesn't think you're a fit, you're gone. It's obvious now that he is running the show on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, and what's interesting to note about that as well, he blitzes a lot. We are used, to, as Chiefs fans, we are used to Bob Sutton's defense that we have run for, what, six years? Was it six years? <laughs> too um, long. So, too long. Uh, but his was very passive. He played a lot of off-man coverage, and uh, the Chiefs would were one of the least blitzing teams in the NFL. We're going to see the polar opposite of that, and maybe the Chiefs are able to manufacture pressure um, at a similar rate, I doubt that they're going to get to the, be the, the best pass rush in, foot, pass rush in football um, with, with just Chris Jones in the middle. Um, but if they're able to manufacture some pressure through blitzes and some stunts and uh, some movement up front that's just not four guys rushing every time, like in a Bob Sutton scheme, um, I'm here for it. I, I think that there's, there's value to be had in that. Um, but that being said, I think there's they've got a lot to prove. They've they've really got a lot to prove um, after trading a guy like D Ford, who led the league in pressures last year. Yeah, and, and you know you mentioned I believe you know, it was either off the air or on the air, but there are some fans who agree with this move, or at least back this move, or at least aren't against it yet. You know, are, are kind of holding out hope, and that's the right way to go about things is holding out hope. But we're trying to. You know, just give you our raw emotions and opinions and, and you know, just insider analysis, whatever you want to determine this and, and also be entertaining for you. Uh, but this doesn't seem like a good move whatsoever right now. Again, th- there's still plenty of time for the Chiefs to recoup this value and make this team even better and still try to win right now. And they're still going to be a very, very good team. Mahomes can will you to, you know, a 12-4 and four season. I truly believe that. But right now, it's just kind of tough to stomach that D Ford is a 49er for a 2020 second round pick, which isn't that much greater than if you just got the compensatory third round pick. It's it's better. It's not that much better to just just boot a year of this ferocious defensive front, because, again, it's not like you're playing a Madden game or something. Chris Jones is going to be worse due to this. He might not be that much worse, but he's going to be worse in terms of impact because there's going to be more tension put on him. And that's not a good thing, uh, you know, for this Chiefs front seven and for the for creating pressure, which is something you need to do in a passing league like this. You need to get pressure on the quarterback and that can help your secondary out. Think about how bad that secondary was last year. Now, imagine if they didn't have any sort of pass rush. They'd be even worse. They weren't good at all. They'd be even worse. And now they got Tyron Matthew, and we'll see you know, what that does for the second year. We're, we're all, we are all, all excited about that if you go back and listen to yesterday's show. But, yeah, it, it's tough. And 
you know, we won't keep going. We've gone 20 minutes on this unless you have anything else, but it, it's tough right now. Yeah, I got nothing else. I On the surface, it doesn't look great for me, um, but yeah, I think that we just got to wait and see. I don't think Brett Veach is an idiot, so um, that remains to be seen, though, so uh, we'll see. Now, the last thing on this, you don't think the, the answer to this is in-house, right? I sure hope not. Uh, I, Brett, uh, Brett Veach draft, traded up to draft uh, Breland Speaks, and Speaks is just a guy to me. I think he's a... Thank he's you. A I, 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 I held back a little bit on Breland Speaks whenever I was talking earlier. They're, they both missed. Passanio missed. Breland Speaks missed, and that's okay. And, and it's not that I mean, it's not like you're trying to dismiss a rookie so early on. He just didn't even show flashes of being someone who you can depend on like you could depend on D. Ford or Justin Houston. He's just a guy. He'll have some good plays, but he'll have more bad plays than he had good plays. I just don't. I just don't see him ever becoming a reliable NFL starter, at least not on an above average defense. Much less, much less a good one. Let's start with above average first. But he's not the answer in any capacity. I don't think. I see. I'm higher on Tano Passanio than you are, uh, because I, I've I've watched some tape on him. I think he has some upside, and he's shown that he can play. I don't know if he's a victim of the system that they were playing in. Maybe he's. Maybe he's got more in the tank than we realize, and maybe uh, Steve Spagnuolo is impressed with him. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to rely on him as your starter. I'd like to see him get more time, um, but I, I prefer Passanio over Speaks. But Speaks just doesn't excite me, and I think that that's where Brett Veach is going to want to go. He'll probably play more than we want to see him next year, whether he's the starter or not. To me, he's just a guy. Um, so I hope it's not in-house, but it very well could be. Yeah, and that was officially the last thing on D4. I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. In other news for the Chiefs, Steven Nelson is now a, Pitts- is now a Pittsburgh Steeler. He signed a three-year, $25.5 million contract. Does this matter at all to you, or was it just, ah, good for him, he got paid, and, and we already knew that the writing was on the wall for Nelson? I'm not surprised that he he's moving on from Kansas City. I uh, I don't think Kansas City wanted to pay a, a guy that they had seen for that long. Um, who he, he has gotten better every year. I know that um, our lead at Arrowhead Attic, Matt Connor, really likes Stephen Nelson, um, but he just to me he wasn't worth that kind of money. He wasn't worth a long term deal, especially after you've seen him for this many years. If if Andy Reid had watched him play. For all this time and didn't deem him worthy of an extension he's probably not worth it um so that's my thought on the matter um uh i think that the steelers have a guy that's that that would make a fine number two corner maybe um i think he fits the steelers scheme pretty well um so it's a, it's probably a good signing by them especially with this inflated corner market they got him for um, a little more than $8 million a year. So that's not bad. Yeah, I, I think that this move is is meaningless from the Chiefs' standpoint. I think he's easily replaceable without question. You know, I think that pretty much, you know, almost anyone who's a serviceable cornerback can do what Steven Nelson did because he was just that. He was only serviceable. He wasn't very impactful. He wasn't, you know, the, the playmaker. I, I think it's fine. I, I think there's no need to to worry about the loss of Steven Nelson. He's easily going to be replaced on the defense. He's a good player, just not great. And, you know, you can't be paying guys like that $25.5 million who can be so easily replaced. But the Chiefs did go sign somebody. We don't know the contract specifics yet, uh, or at least I didn't see them yet. I don't know if you did, but Damian, Damian Wilson will be a chief, and he's a strong side linebacker who started seven games for the Cowboys last year, and it worked so well whenever the Chiefs got the Cowboys linebacker from last year. <sighs> yeah, I don't know much about him. Uh, I've, I, I know the name, and that's about it. Uh, I'm going to have to watch the tape like I did with, with Teron Matthew um, and make my own determination on it. I, they obviously have brought him in to play the strong side linebacker position and Reggie Ragland is still on the team and so right now projected wise Reggie Ragland is projected to be that middle linebacker um and they, they want Hitchens to play the weak side and I'm not as thrilled about that I think Dorian O'Daniel is just tailor-made for the weak side position um 
and I'm not sure that he's going to get that opportunity that he needs. Um, I'm kind of hoping the Chiefs move on from Reggie Ragland. He just doesn't make sense. Um, but with this addition, at least they have somebody that they can plug in to be the strong side guy because at the moment before, before this move took place, they didn't have a guy. They absolutely did not have a guy to play that strong side. So even if he's very good depth, uh, I like the move for that reason because he wasn't super expensive. He wasn't cheap either, uh, but he wasn't super expensive. Um, so on the surface, it looks good. I'm going to have to go to watch the tape and make my own determination on whether he's a good player or not. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I think the Chiefs got a really good player, you know, in terms of, you know, he's not going to be an elite linebacker. He's not going to be a great linebacker, but he's going to be solid. And that's more than, you know, most of the Chiefs linebacking core can say. My dream scenario would be him and, and DOD play together. And I think that'd be a really fun linebacking core. I think that'd get fans really excited and be a lot better than what we saw last year. I think Wilson's underrated. I think that even Dallas might regret letting him go because Sean Lee has such durability issues. You could see Wilson fill in for Lee again and be very, very good as he was last year. I think with the Chiefs got a really good deal on this. Obviously, the contract deal isn't out yet. I can't imagine it broke the bank by any means. I think this is a steal for the Chiefs, and like you said, at worst, it's very, very good depth, and they need that. Yeah, uh, I think that there's a lot of things that can be positive positive out of this, but um, yeah, we're gonna have to wait and see on him. Uh, the I've, I was when I found his uh, found the report that he was coming to Kansas City. I looked at. Um, what Dallas fans were saying, and they were actually kind of remorseful. Uh, a lot of times when these these guys move on, they're they're disappointed and sad that they're that they're gone. Um, but for they for whatever reason, they liked him at least as that uh, as that backup insurance policy. Um, so I, I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And now we'll kind of turn the page, or at least I will, and, and you know, put D Ford in the past and get more a little bit excited and, and anticipating the future because this doesn't have a direct correlation with the Chiefs, but we'll get to that in a second. Odell Beckham is now a Brown. Odell Beckham Jr. gets sent to Cleveland, and the Giants get a first, a second, a third all this year. And uh, Julius Peppers, I love this deal. I think John Dorsey absolutely fleeced New York. I love the fact that all three picks are this year. Do not get yourself tied into a situation like the Redskins were in for RG3 or a plenty of other teams were in where you're investing picks years and years in advance. And then before you know it, the deal has ran its course and you still owe teams your picks. I love the fact that he got all three out of the way this year, especially whenever you consider how good John Dorsey is in the later rounds. I think the Browns have won the offseason, but I'll give you the floor now after I got you know my takeoff for for the Odell Beckham specific part of this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think this is a really great move. Um, I think that John Dorsey is an aggressive guy. He's, he obviously did a lot of good things when he was here in Kansas City, and I I miss him for that. I don't miss him for his cap management, and that's what I'm kind of thinking with this is, um, yeah, these moves are great. They have a lot of cap room right now, but what does it mean for the future? Is he putting them in, in uh, cap hell later on? I don't really know. Um, I think on the surface, though, this move is incredible. Uh, bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. to pair with Jarvis Landry and David Njoku, Look out, NFL. That is going to be an exciting offense to watch. Not to mention... And Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. Yeah, they got all these guys. Um, and they still... Don't they technically still have Duke Johnson? I know that they were trying they to do. shop him earlier, but... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they'll have some offensive weapons. Um, and I'm curious to see what happens um, if John Dorsey's going to backload these contracts, uh, which would not be great for him because eventually they're going to have to cut all these guys obviously they feel like they have a Super Bowl window here while Baker Mayfield is on his rookie deal Um, so they're going to be a team that I I think will be competing with Kansas City um, well into the future and this is wow yeah I think the Browns have definitely uh, won the won the offseason so far unless the Chiefs somehow are they get like 12 more good defensive players, which I don't think is going to happen. But if they were able to land like a, a you know, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey from 
Jacksonville for some for, for like a seventh round pick. Let's just trade a seventh rounder. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Who says no? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll agree to it. They're fine with it. Um, but unless some team makes some kind of crazy move like that, uh, I, I I think that it's, it would be a hard uh, you'd have a hard time making a case that somebody has had a better offense or off season than the uh, the Cleveland and offense. So with with that, I am yeah and offense. Uh, with that, I'm going to let you uh, tell me your take on this. Yeah, you know, to to go back to your point about John Dorsey, unless these moves, you know, and we'll talk about some of the other ones that they're going to make and have made already, unless these moves that take up a bunch of cap room like uh, Snacks Harrison and, and Odell and Sheldon Richardson and then maybe even Earl Thomas, unless these deals prevent you from signing Baker Mayfield long term, then there's no way to 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 call him terrible at the cap, even though he is. What I'm saying is, you know, you know, in a roundabout way, what I'm trying to say is the Browns have had money for so long. It seems like every year they've been the number one team or close to it in terms of cap space. They've also lost for so long. So if they go for this and they even remotely win a couple more games and get into the playoffs even, it's worth it. As long as you don't spend so much money, you cannot afford to lose Baker. That you lose Baker Mayfield, which how Browns would that be? You spend all this money, you try to go for it, you don't get it, and then you lose Baker Mayfield due to the fact that you literally have no money. That would be that would be terribly Browns. If that happens, then you know yes, be more Browns. You what would be more Browns? If they were like, oh, we don't want Baker Mayfield, and Freddie Kitchens is fired, so we're going to hire Todd Haley to be our next head coach. <laughs> that would be the most Browns thing ever. Yeah, make sure you get all the snack wrappers off the floor before he walks in. <laughs> but unless that thing, that sort of thing happens to where it prevents you on the back end from giving Baker Mayfield the money he needs to sign back in Cleveland, which from all intents and purposes, it seems like he loves Cleveland. It seems like he loves to be a Brown and he rallies around that mentality because it's the same mentality he has had his entire career. This guy didn't sign at OU. He wasn't a full-ride scholarship. He wasn't even a full-ride scholarship guy at Texas Tech. He was underlooked and only had two Division One scholarships, walked on to Texas Tech, then walked on to Oklahoma after getting passed up at Texas Tech. This guy plays with a mentality that the Browns fan base has and will rally around and have rallied around. Unless these moves prevent you from giving him all the money in the world, then you have to just say, okay, to heck with money. We've had the most cap space for the last five years, and it's got us nothing. Time to spend the money and go for this thing. And if you do miss out, so what? At least you tried for the first time in seemingly your franchise history, or at the very least, the last 20 years. This is a great offseason for the Browns. It couldn't have happened to a more deserving fan base besides this one. It's pretty much a great day to be a Brown. And how often can you say that? And how often can you say that the Browns are heading in the right direction while the Steelers are the, are the laughing stock of not that division of all of football. They're the laughing stock right now. It's incredible, yeah. but we'll settle down for a second. We'll regroup. What if they get Earl Thomas? Because right now they're, they're confident that they're going to land Earl Thomas. What do you think this entire team would be if they pretty much upgrade from peppers to Earl Thomas on top of all the moves that we've already mentioned? That would be wild. Um, I, I honestly think it would be um, a Rams-type move, pushing all the chips in and saying, hey, uh, we're going to take advantage of this Super Bowl window um, and to heck with the future because obviously Earl Thomas is going to cost a pretty penny. Uh, so uh, he'll he'll command a lot of money, and if the Browns can shell it out, I mean, look out. I think that... Honestly, what's going to happen um, for, for the future of the AFC, especially if these guys pan out the way that we expect them to. Now, keep in mind that the Andy Reid is probably skeptical of this kind of thing because he was spurned on the, the quote, dream team, as uh, backup quarterback Vince Young called it for the Philadelphia <laughs> That was an awesome, awesome uh, team. Yeah. Um, so... I'm sure Andy Reid's a little bit hesitant to do this kind of thing, but if it works out for John Dorsey, if he can add these players, look out. I think that they'll be the dominant team in that in that division, which is crazy to say. Uh, a team that I think right now is better than Baltimore, is better than Pittsburgh, I, I and obviously better than the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are uh, a trash heap. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think look out. Kansas City's got an actual contender here uh, to go head to head with them. Yeah, the Bengals are the new Browns. Let's just say it. <laughs> I know people are going to to try to dismiss this as oh they're just the Browns. I hate that mentality. These players don't care. I mean, we fans care about the history. We care about you know even the, the Chiefs. We care about the recent shortcomings of the Chiefs. Those players didn't care. I mean, they said the right things in public. They made you believe that they cared. They weren't around for that. No one cares. No one cares that the Browns went 0-62 a few years ago That were that's in that locker room if they weren't there during the actual season. I mean, it, you can't wash everything away as, oh, it's just the Browns or, oh, it's just the Chiefs in the playoffs. Each team is different, and this team, let's face it, is the best in the AFC North, like you said. And one of the best in the in the entire AFC, if not the entire league, if everything pans out right, which we'll see. Free agency in the NFL is unlike any sport to where you can't just go on paper. In baseball, if you sign Bryce Harper, obviously your team gets a much much better. In basketball, if you re-sign Paul George, if you sign LeBron James, if you sign Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, obviously your team gets much better because one guy can impact the sport. In football, like you said, there can be dream team situations to where you win the offseason and lose on the field, and we'll have to see. But right now, it looks incredible, and it looks like you can agree or disagree that we're heading towards Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield being the next Manning versus Brady. And whenever we talked, you know, just off air, you mentioned Andrew Luck as well. I think that these three guys could be the new Manning, Brady, uh, Roethlisberger, all in the same conference, all battling out each year, all creating interesting scenarios and and amazing regular seasons, postseasons. Uh, and and off seasons, yeah, and you know that that's really exciting too, uh, because that would mean that they're good year after year. Um, but I also don't want to discount the Patriots because we thought they were done last year. Uh, they're not making any moves in free. Oh yeah, I, I didn't mean far. the I didn't mean the immediate future as in tomorrow. I, I you know Tom Brady. As much as we want to say it, he's not going to outlast Mahomes. He's not going to outlast Baker. He's not going to outlast yeah. Luck. So in a few years, two, three, even. These three guys are going to be the future of the NFL, the future of the AFC for sure. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I, I with the with the uh, with the Patriots, I can just see it now. Uh, we're going to hear all about how the Jets won the off season uh, with the Browns, and how the Jets are going to are going to somehow magically overthrow the Patriots for that for their division. I got to tell you, folks, it ain't happening. Uh, That's what you said about them trading both D Ford and Justin Houston. Just saying, I'm just saying. You said that exact quote. It ain't happening, <laughs> folks. And look what happened. But but no, you're yeah, right. Maybe, <laughs> you know, that's fine. Uh, that that's fine. If 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 the jet if by me saying it, the Jets somehow propel themselves to a better team than the Patriots, I am all in. That is wonderful. I want to be wrong about this. Believe me, folks. I am so sick of seeing Bill Belichick and Tom Brady rise to the top when they don't deserve to be there. I would love to see the Jets be amazing just out of the blue when they've been a horrible franchise their entire in their entire existence other than the year that they that Joe Namath said we're winning the Super Bowl and then he was uh, That was a good Joe Namath. That was a good Joe impression. Hey, thanks. But you know, he, Did you I flick just, your finger uh, in the air also or no? <laughs> I I did not, but I'll do it real quick. There we go. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that would be wonderful if the Jets could overthrow the Patriots, but I just don't see it happening. But I think you're absolutely correct. I think we have that new rivalry starting to take shape. The Colts are sitting on a mine of cash. So it just depends on what offseason Chris Ballard says, we want all the free agents. And then that's the year that they're going to be very, very, very competitive. Um We'll have to wait and see. I guess uh, I think that they'll be a they'll be the Steelers. I th- I'm hoping the Chiefs are the Patriots team, um, and then uh, Peyton Manning can always lose to us uh, with with the Browns there. So um, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, and I know that cap talk can for some fans be boring, and other fans they love it. And we've talked about cap a lot today, but just real quick, since you know we're in this segment, I really love what both teams are doing, Cleveland and Indianapolis. Cleveland's saying, give me all the talent in the world. Give me every single player that, that even has a big contract or will give them a big contract or that you don't want anymore. Give it to us, just like the Rams did a year ago, and it got them to the Super Bowl. 
the Colts are saying, okay, we have all this money, sure. Let's give out huge one-year deals to keep the flexibility for the next year and the year following, and we'll see where the market lies. Both of those moves are incredible, and both of those moves are really helping their franchise quarterback. I mean, I know that it's scary to kind of give out these contracts the way the Browns have done or, or bring in all these new pieces the way the Browns have done, but imagine if the Chiefs was in, were in that situation where they had all this cap, they had Mahomes, who's better than Baker Mayfield, and they just sat on their hands out of fear of you know getting burned. You're going to get burned. It's the NFL, and free agency by nature in every sport is overpaying to make sure you get the guy you want. I just like the approach of both teams, and I think that all three teams, Chiefs, Browns, and Colts, are in great positions to contend for a long, long, long time. It's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Uh, what's also interesting to note about that is John Dorsey and Chris Ballard are both Chiefs guys. Different <laughs> approaches. Um, and then, of so, course, the current Brett Veach, and he has a different approach as well, but we're not sure what it is yet. Yeah. Brett Veach is a guy that I think loves to wheel and deal on trades. Um, this is almost identical to what happened with Marcus Peters last year, and it worked out for him. It was a gamble, and it worked out. It paid off. The Chiefs aren't tied up to Marcus Peters for a long-term ex- uh, long-term deal, um, and the Rams have a lesser version of what we came to know as a, our, our number one corner. So maybe this works out for for Brett Veach this year. Uh, maybe Brett Veach is an, an evil genius that um, I just kind of keep waiting for that move. Uh, I thought, man, they got they got Teron Matthew. This is the best move that he's made as the general manager. Um, I'm going to need to see more when you keep letting talent go, you gotta, you gotta replace it. So he's got to step up his game and I, I fully expect him to do something, uh, in the next, you know, week or so, um, whether that's extending guys or, um, or using that cap towards a, towards a veteran, uh, that, that can come in and, uh, improve the secondary or up front. So we'll see on that. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun for sure. Uh, real quick, the you know our, we haven't given our tagline because well the Chiefs traded D four, but we're going to cover the Chiefs, the AFC West, and the rest. And moving into the AFC West portion, got a little bit out of order there, going to the Browns first. But the AFC West, the Broncos signed Juwan James to a four year, fifty two million dollar contract. He is an incredible offensive lineman from the University of Tennessee. He got drafted by the Dolphins. He was awesome there. It, this is a really good move for Denver. Yeah, uh, they they paid a lot for him too, uh, and they had to let Matt Paradis walk. Um, so they they're out of center, but they have a tackle um, to pair with Garrett Bowles. So we'll. I, I mean, this is a good move for the for the Broncos. I'm just not sure that it's going to put them over the top like uh, John Elway might think it will. Especially if you're. Oh, John Elway also thought Joe Flacco was the answer, so we'll see what what his his mindset's yeah, like. I, I just don't have trust, and if I was a Broncos fan, I would not have trust in John Elway's. Oh, how could you? So, yeah, I'd be so really interested I, to see I, what the Broncos fans' mindset is. Could you imagine what Chiefs would be going through if you went from Case Keenum to Joe Flacco, gave all this money to Juwan James, who's a very good player, but I mean, just oh my, man. they'd be. What would even like? How do you talk yourself into this team? Pretty much every team in the NFL. That's what's so great about this league in terms of fan you know interaction with it by the time august rolls around every single fan base for the most part can talk themselves into this season and that's what keeps teams mediocre for so long because if you don't buy them out the fans are going to be there in august because they'll find a way to to find the margin in guys to where they can talk themselves into this being the year how can you get up for joe flacco in 2019 or ever but in 2019 how can you get up for joe flacco how can you get up for this broncos team and it brings me so really much joy to be able to say that. We know what this is like. Um, as as a longtime Chiefs fan, I I remember this this feeling of a little bit of hope being crushed over and over again. Um, so now they they actually have the advantage because they don't have hope, and so they have nowhere to go but up. Um, but I remember the years of Matt Castle bringing him in and being a little bit excited, thinking this guy could be the guy. Um, he backed <laughs> up Tom Brady. He beat us when we were playing him. Uh, he could be something, and then he wasn't. And I remember Brody Croyle thinking this guy from Alabama, he has a really strong arm, he's got a cannon, nothing. 
I mean, we've seen this. We've seen this before, and thank God for Patrick Mahomes. Thank our Lord and God Savior. We don't have to deal with the Joe Flacco's and Case Keenum's of the world anymore, at least for the next 10 or so years. And how good does it feel not only to have Mahomes and not to, I mean, well, it's a Chiefs podcast. You had to expect Mahomes rant was coming at some point. It's, it's in our contract. We have to talk about Mahomes at least one time per show. Our free <laughs> yeah, our free contract uh, that we're still working to get to our, towards our site, but we'll talk about that later. But how good does it feel to have Mahomes, a guy who you can't push off the way that some media members did, and rightfully so with RG3, to where it's, oh, it's a gimmick, it's not going to work, and it didn't work. Or some people are going to do it with Lamar Jackson. It's a gimmick, it worked for one year, they're going to adjust. There's no adjusting to Mahomes. They're, Mahomes is just amazing. You, you literally cannot game plan for Mahomes. He can beat you left-handed. The, yeah. It's so awesome to have that, but we'll talk about him all season long, and all off-season long, and for the rest of eternity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to keep talking about this stuff. Um, I don't think this offseason is anywhere close to over um, for for Kansas City. Um, I fully intend. I fully believe that uh, Brett Veach has has intent to do something smart that we just don't see because I'm I, I believe in things that are silly sometimes. So um, <laughs> I've I've been too optimistic to a fault before. Um, I am not optimistic at the moment, but I'm talking myself into this D Ford trade. Uh, but at the moment, it kind of feels Raider-ish. We traded away our pass rusher, and now we're going to have Chris Jones, and that's about it. Um, so at the moment, not optimistic, but could get there. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and believe that we're going to be a worse defense than last season. Even if we're better by a slight margin, it gives us a better chance at the Super Bowl. And Cairo Santos, the former Chiefs kicker, has signed with the Bucks, re-signed with the Bucks, but that's not important at all. The Raiders signed LaMarcus Joyner for a four-year, $42 million deal. I mean, they're kickers, please. Get a real position, then we'll talk about you on the podcast. How about that? The, the Raiders signed LaMarcus Joyner to a four-year, $42 million deal. I love you, Harrison Bucker. What do you think about this? Because I think we both are a little bit, you know, low on Marcus Joyner. We don't really believe he was worth this contract. He has durability issues. And even when he's playing, I don't know about you, but I don't think he's worth this money, even fully healthy. I just don't think he's that great of a player. I think, well, the Rams had so many issues on their back end of their defense. For some reason, they had all these guys with big names uh, and they just couldn't seem to ever get it together. And I don't know. I, I I haven't watched tape on LaMarcus Joyner, so I can't just say, oh, one way or the other, but I, I don't think he's worth that it's much. It's capital J journalism. That's very responsible of him. Yeah. Well, I just don't think he's that much. He's worth that much for um, what he has shown so far in his career, which is a, a long injury history. That would be like the Chiefs. Uh, this is an exaggerated version, but this would be like the Chiefs signing Jason Verrett for – um, from from uh, San Diego slash Los Angeles uh, to a big deal because of what he did in one year where he played the entire season. Now he he's been more banged up than Lamarcus Joyner, or frankly anybody in the NFL. Um, but that's kind of what I compare it to because I just I I have to see it to believe it from Joyner. Uh, he he has some playmaking skills. He's got some range, um, but other than that, I can't really tell you. Um, so, yeah, that's what I got. And if anyone cares, we jumped on this podcast as soon as the D4 news broke or shortly thereafter. So I've been watching the Gonzaga game the whole time, and they just got upset by St. Mary's. So St. Mary's punches their yeah. ticket to the tournament and upsets Gonzaga, and, and we'll see what that means for the seeding. But let's go back to football. So stick to sports, stick to our sport. That's the NFL. To wrap up the AFC West, the Chargers got Thomas Davis, He's old. He's still kind of productive. I still think he's got a little bit left in the tank, and especially considering the Chargers are not going to rely very heavily on him, put very many more miles on his car, so to say. They're going to use him in spots to get guys you know, a break and still have a, a very good pass rusher coming in. I like this move by the Chargers. Yeah, I think it's good insurance, uh, especially for what they've, they've struggled in run defense. Um for years it seems like they just cannot figure it out um 
kind of like the Chiefs in the last couple of years, but they've had it almost longer. And I that for that reason exactly, I've I've been projecting them to take like a Dexter Lawrence in the draft um, because they they need a big guy in the middle. And I think Thomas Davis is still that aggressive guy that can um, that can attack blockers that can that can bust through and make a few plays here and there. I think if nothing else, he is a great insurance policy for a starter, um, maybe even a part time guy. Um, but yeah, he is, he's an ancient man. He is very old and, uh, I don't know how long he can, he can keep going, but I, I like the move, um, for the chargers. Yeah. And you mentioned it, the insurance policy, he's very good on the insurance policy and as a backup and it's no secret, the chargers don't have the best, you know, uh, training staff because players always seem to get hurt there, especially during training camp time. So this is going to be, I think, a pretty big deal when all things are said and done. And even Joey Bosa a year ago missed a lot of the season, uh, at least the regular season, to start. So you know, we'll see about that. Anthony Barr, real quick, was going to sign with the Jets and stiff them to go back to the Vikings. I don't know if you have any opinions on that. I sure don't. I think it's kind of funny. I, I think I you know. he, we, just, we just witnessed Emmanuel Sanders 2.0. Remember Emmanuel Sanders saying, I'm going to sign with the Chiefs and then backing out and going to the Broncos? That is this moment repeating itself. Uh, Anthony Barr thought, oh, I'm going to the Jets. Changes his mind, goes back to his his team where he's comfortable. I don't fault him for going back. I will always hold it against Emmanuel Sanders uh, <laughs> because – that was that was our guy. He was he verbally agreed to it. He was going to sign the contract, and then his agent shopped his deal, and uh, he signed with the Broncos for more money. And I will always hold that against him. And I I see him on these talk shows, and I always mute him because I just can't I can't like him. I can't like the guy. Didn't he's not playing in red and yellow. He's playing uh, in Donkey Stadium. So uh, yeah, I uh, that's that's what that reminded me of. I thought that was an interesting tidbit. All right. Well, I'm glad you got that takeoff. Uh, you know, I, I agree. Good, good job. Good, good take effort there. Well, <laughs> uh, let's end the show with this. We've gone quite a bit over our time, but you know, we don't really technically have any time constraints on this thing. Real quick, the 2019 Hall of Fame game was announced today. Lost in all this shuffle of Odell Beckham and D Ford. The oh no. We have to talk about this. Oh yeah, just, we do. Just just now we have to because of that sigh. The 2019 Hall of Fame game will be the Broncos versus the Falcons on a night where Tony Gonzalez is going to be honored. Wouldn't it have made sense, if you're going to pick an AFC West team anyway, for it to be the Chiefs versus the Falcons, a Tony Gonzalez Bowl, so to say? I'm going to tell you something. I don't care. (laughs) I don't. I don't. It's an added chance for Mahomes to get injured. It's an added chance for Travis Kelsey to turn an ankle. It's an added chance for for Chiefs players to get banged up, and Chiefs fans are going to get upset about it? I mean, come on. I mean, it's cool that you get to play the first game, but let it go. Tony liked playing in, for the Falcons more than he liked playing in Kansas City. Let it go. Tony Gonzalez is my favorite player of all time. Let it go. He's fine not liking Kansas City as much as he liked the Falcons. He won more games there uh, on a more consistent basis. He only went to the playoffs once with Kansas City. I I know that that Twitter is just going to explode for the next week talking about this, and I just don't want to hear it because it doesn't matter. So I should just edit out this whole segment and just play Frozen, let it go. Got it. I mean, if you want to get into a debate about this, I am happy to debate you. <laughs> no, I actually agree with you. I, th- I think uh, Carrington Harrison of The Drive on 610 Sports Radio said it best. I cannot get mad over the Chiefs playing five preseason games versus four preseason games. I'm not going to watch them. I'm not going to care about them. Now, I'll, if it was the Chiefs, I would have watched it. But I think the Hall of Fame game is really just stupid. I mean, in itself, no matter who's playing, no matter what the Hall of Fame class is, it's stupid. I watch it for the first two series at most and say, okay, football's back. Cool. Bye. Because it's not real football. Even on the preseason scale, it's not real football because I, like you, I assume, am an absolute freak when it comes to the NFL. I will watch entire preseason games on TV, not even at the game, yes. on TV. I will watch entire spring training games. I will watch the preseason 
not the Hall of Fame game. That's just a sham. It's stupid. Players aren't even remotely ready. They're going to have this thing on August 1st. I mean, give me a break with that. Yeah, I think that you said it best. First of all, I don't even think Mahomes would have played in this game. And if he did, maybe it is a literal two plays, a literal maybe series at most. I don't think he even plays, though. I don't think Tyreek Hill plays for sure. Kelsey, no way, after the surgery he's going to have this offseason. It wouldn't have been what you wanted to see anyway, and it's not going to make Tony Gonzalez love you more. It's not. Even if you win the Tony Gonzalez Bowl, he's not going to love you more. He loves the Falcons, and that's, I guess, frustrating. I don't really care. I mean, I really don't care about Tony Gonzalez whatsoever uh, in terms of you know who he likes and who he dislikes, what city he likes, what city he dislikes. I care a lot more about Whit Merrifield saying that you know South Carolina has a lot better barbecue than Kansas City than I do about Tony Gonzalez. I don't care Tony anything. Tony Gonzalez is my favorite player of all time. Honestly, oh, yeah, I care about the player. I don't care about his opinion on the Chiefs versus Falcons. I mean, yeah, no, both franchises are terrible historically and have terrible I, things happen to them. Like for the Falcons, have a dude get arrested in a prostitution scandal the night before the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, it, it's just the thing, though, with, with Tony Gonzalez. If I am a fan of Tony Gonzalez, I am a literal Tony Gonzalez fan, and I'm not offended by his love for Atlanta over Kansas City, you should not be either. Don't play the victim Chiefs fan, because honestly, we have something to be excited about. We leave the past in the past. We use it as our history. We'd be proud that we had Tony Gonzalez, one of the best tight ends in history, I believe, one of the best pass catchers in history. We need to leave this behind and stop pulling up this weird obsession with hating Tony Gonzalez. There's no reason for it. He liked he liked Atlanta more than Kansas City because he had a better chance to win. It's nicer weather there during the during the winter. There's a lot of reasons to like Atlanta more than Kansas City. And you have to think at the time, Kansas City wasn't what it is today. I mean, today Kansas City gets a bad rap. I love Kansas City. I love the, even the city life there, which, which people on the outside might not know how good of a city life it even has. It wasn't like that when Tony Gonzalez was playing. That's, that's the Power and Light District, the plaza. That wasn't what he was going to whenever he was a player. That wasn't, you know, to the extent it is now. You know, the same way where Mahomes is going to or where Eric Hosmer went to celebrate the World Series runs. It wasn't the same lifestyle back then even. I don't get how you can care that much about this. And I was there for his ring night, you know, his his ring ceremony night against the Chargers. People left. People, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't this huge deal. It was, it was big. It was Tony Gonzalez. That's fine. People just left, didn't watch it, didn't care, didn't even applaud. Some people didn't even stand up. If Mahomes was getting honored that night, and when he does get honored, there will not be a single person leaving their seats for halftime, and they will watch every single second of Mahomes getting honored. He wasn't, we're kind of doing this, you know, just to be mad, just to be angry, because it's the flavor of the year to just get angry at everything for no reason. Who cares? Like you said, who cares? I mean, and especially because people love Tony Gonzalez. Yes, you love Tony Gonzalez. You, you know, you're my co-host. You loved him. I, I just I find it hard to believe it was, the, it was the exact same love that you feel for a guy like Mahomes. And it, it'd be different if Mahomes did this, right? If he has a Joe Montana-like career and he goes from the Chiefs to the 49ers, then, and he, then he starts saying, oh, I love the San Francisco way more than Kansas City. Okay, that, that's going to hurt. It's Tony Gonzalez. It's a tight end in a, in a era where he was the first tight end to be like Travis Kelsey, but he wasn't even exactly like Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey really has already passed him in the sense of how good he was in Kansas city. Uh, not the entire body of work for Tony Gonzalez, but just as a chief, he's already passed him. I mean, it, it wasn't the same. We're kind of doing this, like I said, retroactively and, and kind of, I think valuing Tony Gonzalez more than, than we should have. And I'm sure that, that'll offend some people. They'll say, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's, it's not exactly the same as it would be again, if it was Mahomes or someone like that. Yeah. If I, they did this, I, I, okay, I'll admit if they did this on, on Mahomes' hall of fame night and they put the Broncos on there versus whatever team he goes to after Kansas city, if there even is a team after Kansas city, I'd be pretty upset. I mean, I'll just be honest. I'll be pretty upset. But it's I, I just can't I can't find it in me to get upset about this, especially because yes, he was transcendent. Yes, he's in the the Hall of Fame. Yes, he's in the Chiefs Ring of Honor. Yes, he's in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. 
it still wasn't that, that kind of guy. It wasn't that that guy that you know is is known as a chief. He's known nationally as a falcon. In fact, in today's day and age, in this generation, there are some people who don't even know he played for the Chiefs or realize he played for the Chiefs. They just say, "Oh, Falcon! Oh, Falcon!" It's like that some to some people, folks. Yeah, uh, I just I I think that being upset that another player likes playing for another team because he has a better chance to win there. Like if Matt Castle played with Kansas city and liked Tennessee more and uh, said that he liked Tennessee more, are people going to be upset? Like, no, because he wasn't a great player. Now, obviously Tony Gonzalez is a great player. He's a hall of famer, but like that doesn't give you the right to tell him what he should like more. Um, That's the most, that's the biggest thing I can take. away. If D Ford says, if D Ford says after the year he loves San Francisco, he loves the city, he loves the fans, he thinks that playing at, at Candlestick or whatever the heck they call that place now, he thinks playing there is the greatest thing on earth, and he loves Arrowhead, which is the qualifier Tony Gonzalez has used that he still loves Kansas City, but he favors San Francisco. Does, is anyone going to care? I mean, we have Patrick Mahomes. We have all these shiny toys, Travis Kelsey, Tariq Hill. No one's going to care about D Ford here in a few years. I mean, I, I mean we're just doing this to do it and to get mad at things. And I don't even understand why, because it's not like it's June. It's the middle of the free agency period. It's the middle of draft season. There's a lot more things to talk about than a hall of fame game that no one would watch. I, I find it hard to believe that outside of me, you, the Arrowhead attic staff, the, the other chiefs, media members and, and, and writers, you know, on, on other fan sites would even watch the game, the entire game. They might watch the first series. They might watch Tony Gonzalez walk on the Canton field and, and get honored. Outside of that, I don't think they're watching. So what does it matter? You're not going to watch it anyway. Yeah, I just – there's no reason to. There's just absolutely no reason to be upset that Kansas City's not in this game. It just adds more chance of injury, and it's not a fun game to watch. That is the end of discussion. That is all that there is to say about it. If you get mad about it, you're getting mad for all the wrong reasons. And if they do get mad at you for saying that, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, go ahead and at me, bro. At me at at GrantTMNTuttle. Has there ever been a least intimidating sentence than at me, bro, and then you give your Twitter handle, which is (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? All right. I don't think so. I'm, I'm not a. I'm not a fighter on, on very many cases. Uh, you're a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, Me too. Yeah, Me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one more time. That way, I'm not stepping all over your uh, hipster. Yeah. That way, I'm not stepping all over your uh, Twitter handle. One more time. All right. I want you to get this. At Grant T M N Tuttle. Now one more time for me. You said Grant T M N. Correct. Absolutely, that is correct. And right. then Tuttle. Yes. T-U-T-T-L-E. Not Turtle. Yes. You're not a Turtle. You're Grant Tuttle. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm just trying to get your name out there. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You've witnessed history, folks. We had our first ever emergency podcast. We thought it was going to come earlier than this. We thought it was going to come with Tyreek Hill news, but we've we've since seen that front cool on uh, on his extension talk. But you got the first ever emergency podcast, and you've got the first ever one hour show, and it's now gone longer than one hour. So, Grant, any final words? Um, I besides at me, bro. That, yeah, at me, bro. Because I think that's what the kids say. We'd have to ask Jalen, who works. At Arrowhead Addict, he, uh, I think he's one of those Tide Pod eating guys. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that's all I really got to I say in delightful. this episode. So, so <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to say. Uh, this move makes me want to eat Tide Pods. Eat, don't eat Tide Pods. Just uh, watch football and be, be thankful that we have such an amazing sport to follow. So that's all I got. Amazing whenever they're not trading away D Ford. don't know how to feel yeah we've ranted a lot we've laughed a lot it's been fun we'll come back next week with cooler heads or at least i will because grant was pretty you know mild-mannered which i appreciate kind of balances everything out until you mentioned my boy tony gonzalez oh give me a break tony gonzalez please but (laughs) i mean seriously this guy overrated 
now you can really at me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. But it's been fun. We'll be back next week unless the entire world implodes and Mahomes loses an arm. Then we'll have to have another emergency show for sure. But don't say that. <laughs> I, I don't know. You see his new dog. It's kind of vicious looking. I mean, maybe it bites his whole arm off. Who knows what could happen between now and then? But why if not. Why? Why would you even do that? I mean, what if he retires from football and wants to go play baseball again? I mean, he was pretty good at baseball. Stop. 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 stop and Michael stop, Jordan stop, took a year stop. off of football. I mean, basketball. So, I mean, who's to say that Mahomes might want to take a fo- week off of football, you know, a year off of football, you know, and not have his body banged up, but nonetheless. All right. Island, you got to close the show. <laughs> All right. We're dragging on a little bit too long. Again, thank you for listening. Follow Grant on Twitter. Follow myself on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at attic underscore podcast. I pray to God I said the right at, but if I didn't, I'm sure Grant will correct me. So this has been fun. This has been the Arrowhead Attic Podcast on the Fansided Network of Podcasts. Be good and be good to one another. See you later. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.